0: Welcome to another episode of Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And in today's episode, we will be discussing the applicant tracking system better known to job seekers and recruiters as the ATS. There's been a lot of conflicting information in regards to the ATS and its role in the job search process. You have resume writers and career coaches telling job seekers on how to make their resume ATS compliant to pass the ATS. And then you have these companies that are creating these resume optimizer tools where you can upload your resume, upload the job ad that you want to apply for, and it'll give you a resume optimizer score on how well your resume aligns with that job ad. To help job seekers and to educate them about the ATS as much as possible and give them the right information to move their job search forward, I brought in John Heisey for a deep discussion on the ATS as well as additional strategies to help you be a standout candidate for targeted companies that you want to work at. So a little bit about John Heisey. He is the president of Covert Recruiting. He has nearly 15 years of sales and service experience and has been in the recruiting industry since 2011. John believes this is a relationship-driven business more than a transactional one. To him, this means taking an honest, caring, and thorough approach to helping his candidates and client partners. For him, there's no ghosting. He'll tell you what he'll do and follow through with a high attention to detail. When he's not recruiting, John can be found on the golf course, traveling to far off places with his wonderful wife, And hanging out with his dog, Otto, who also makes an appearance on this podcast. I do want to let my listeners know that due to technical difficulties, there is some issues with the audio. However, you will still be able to listen to everything John says. And I know that this is a very important topic for job seekers. So I wanted to publish this for my listeners so they get a full and complete understanding of how the ATS works so they can better their job search strategies. Now let's hop into my conversation with John and discuss the ins and outs of the ATS that job seekers need to know. Hey, John. Hey, Max. How are you?
1: Good. How about you? Doing very well. Thanks for having me.
0: No worries. We, we finally uh, had our schedules aligned and we are finally uh, doing this. It's part of
1: the fun is to to manage all of the, the reschedules along the way.
0: <laughs> yes. like I, I really want you to be my first guest. And now you're uh, like fourth, fifth, sixth right now. Well, good. You're warmed up. I love it. Yeah, I'm warmed up. So now I, I'm ready to go. I, I practiced with a few guests before. And now I, I'm more comfortable with the mic to talk to you, John. Okay, I'll be the uncomfortable one then. <laughs> Sounds good. So, yeah, so I wanted to bring you onto the podcast for one reason, and that is to really just dive deep into the ATS, the applicant tracking system. There's a lot of content discussions out there about what the ATS system does. There are a lot of myths that we want to debunk in this conversation and how recruiters actually use the ATS to screen out candidates and what have you. So with that being said, why don't you give us a brief highlight of what the ATS system does to help recruiters at companies?
1: It's the tool that recruiters are going to use, especially in-house recruiters, to kind of manage their entire day. Um, The real advantage of having one of those is that it's a really great candidate management tool. Um, I don't necessarily consider it a great recruiting tool, but if someone is trying to manage many resumes for many roles throughout an organization, you can't really live without it. And as a job seeker, you're often going to apply in probably a million different places. Most often your resume will end up somewhere in that ATS. And that is the beginning of the process and hopefully a long journey that gets you to the end of the recruiting cycle and you get a job after that's all over.
0: was some popular uh, myths in terms of the ATS, that is not what's the misconception about ATS that, that you um, seem to get from job seekers?
1: I don't know if there's a myth, just I just don't think candidates understand that they exist. When you click your resume onto a job that you like, it goes somewhere. And it could be a black hole. It could be anywhere. It's somewhere on the internet. And that's fine. Canvas don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of how they're being managed process-wise behind the scenes. It's just that it's a very frequent thing for the recruiters, for HR people to do. So as far as debunking any myths, I think it's more that they just don't know what exists, or at least the capabilities of it. How about that? Okay. So
0: one of the popular myths is that you submit your application online to a company's online job portal, which most probably has a built-in ATS. So it grades the resume. So that's the myth. It grades the resume. And then if you don't have a good grade, it gets all the rejected and the recruiter never sees that. Is that true? Or does every resume that comes in through the online portal get seen by a recruiter?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. There are definitely different functions that various ATS systems can build in, I'm sure some of them can use, I don't know if it's artificial intelligence or machine learning, or just keyword searching to make sure enough of the right stuff is in there. Um, I haven't seen it all that much because in the places that I've been in this situations where I've been an in-house recruiter we generally look at almost all of the resumes that come through no matter if they're a perfect spot-on fit or if there's something that's not a fit at all
0: okay so with that being said for everybody listening out there when you do apply on an online portal your resume is most likely going to be seen by a recruiter it doesn't matter what the format is, it will be seen. Is that correct, John?
1: We try to. I think there, there's definitely the honest effort too. Some job postings can get, I've seen the biggest one I ever saw was like 1,200 resumes. And we're wanting to see people succeed, but in a normal day, eight hour day, how many of those can you truly look at properly? Often, what a recruiter would do is put some kind of search function or a filter on those resumes. And you mentioned earlier, do they get graded? Not necessarily, but at times we can search and filter out things that don't make the person the nine out of 10 or even an eight out of 10 fit. Because you want to give those that are pretty close a good look, but nobody can and nobody really wants to, unfortunately, look at that many resumes. So it does pay to have, I think, a smart approach to applying to make sure you can get through those types of filters.
0: Okay, I want to go back to what you said about the 1,200 applicants for one application, right? There's this ongoing discussion is as soon as a job ad gets posted, you should apply right away. With what's going on right now, there's a lot more applications for available job ad. So what I'm trying to get at is, let's say you saw a posting, you missed it for some reason, and you see the posting now, and it's been two weeks, and there's 600 applicants, but it's still available to apply. Should a candidate bother with applying with so many candidates uh, already applying, or is it better just to look elsewhere? So what I'm trying to say is, let's say, does a recruiter look at the first 100, shortlist the 100 to 510? And then if those flop, then they go to the next 100? Or how, how does it work?
1: I always think it's worth the time to apply, to get your resume, to get your email, to get set up in system. Usually it doesn't take more than a couple minutes. I know it's kind of a, a nuisance to have to put in all that information over and over again. But I think at least having your information there, because you don't know where in the process things are. Something might have been posted Monday and gotten it ton of resumes. And yeah, the first come first serve is usually the rule. Many of the recruiters will hopefully find, at least I hope to find, strong, viable candidates very early. And then once you get the right amount of people in contention, then you may or may not look at people later on. But that first group might not always be perfect. And then the recruiter may go back to the ATS to see who's applied in the meantime. So that's why I always encourage people to at least get that resume over. I do have a couple extra tricks along the way. I think we might talk about it a little bit later to kind of get in the side door because you're not limited to just applying in the interview process. We can talk about that a little bit more.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Everybody wants to know about the uh, tips and tricks to get in the door of the target companies, right? So we'll definitely talk about that a bit later. But just to go back to the online about getting your information into the online portal. So a lot of bigger companies, you apply to one job and let's say you get auto rejected like three months later, or let's say there's a few jobs you're interested at that company and you apply to multiple. So what's a good balance between applying to a job waiting a certain period and then applying for another one or can you apply to multiple at once or for example let's say you apply but you also get alerts and then you get alerts two to three months later and then you apply for those like is there too much applying at once to one company is there really that type of thing or it doesn't really matter
1: yeah there's there's a little bit of that to it i always tell people apply to things that you know that you're qualified for If you're sending your resume just to try to spread it around and get more in there, I've seen many people apply to 20 different roles within a company. And there's no way in the world that person's qualified for 20, maybe two or three. You might kind of change your perception within the company that, hey, this person's just kind of throwing sand at the wall to see if it sticks. So really the rule on that is if you're qualified for it, apply for it. If you're not qualified for it or if you're stretching, then don't bother. You know, don't waste your time or or anyone else's because it wasn't meant to be. I I think a totally fair thing, and it saves both sides more time and effort, and it keeps the perception of that candidate, even if they apply to three or five or seven, if they're a good fit, you don't want to make it look like they're just clicking away, that they're serious.
0: Okay, and to add to that, let's say, obviously, the easiest way in terms of alignment is you're a director at one company, and you're applying for another director role, obviously, it's a lot easier to move horizontally at another company. But let's say you're a specialist, but you want to get a manager position, but you have no managerial titles in your resume. So is there a point in trying online? Is it better to network into a um, higher position? What are your thoughts and strategies?
1: If, if you're close, you're fine. If you're a senior manager and you want to be a director, yeah, of course, because the recruiter may be looking for someone who's got the, the next step in their career. And the thing I'd caution is that if you're an entry-level person and you're applying for a director-level role, then you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not going to get that director-level role. So if it's close, go for it. If it's not close, you should know better.
0: Sounds good, and we have a guest, um, which is your dog. I'm assuming, right?
1: He's my little guard dog. He uh, he helps me in breaking up really fun phone and uh, podcasts and uh, causes big distractions, which is really fun for all of us, but that's part of working from home these days.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, there's always <laughs> no interruptions, right? Like people with kids and all that, right? So definitely understand. So ATS is more of like an organizational tool, not really a screener, so to speak. What are some features that make it easier for the recruiter to look at the resume? So one of the posts that you made on LinkedIn that I really like, you could actually have the resume just show the top half of it, right? And a lot of people, didn't really like that at all is I spent all this time as a resume and you only look at the top half obviously we know the rule of thumb is recruiters only scan a resume for six seconds and then they either say yes or no right so what are some features of the ATS to help recruiters screen resumes quickly and what can a candidate do to make sure that their resume is skim friendly so the recruiter can see if this person is a good
1: fit or not that's an awesome question. This is a, a very big kind of user experience type thing. The latest ATS that I used, and I won't name it because it's one of the big ones and it's actually really, really good. When a new resume came in front of me, the window that you saw was probably the top third or top quarter of the resume. And you would need to physically scroll down to see the bottom half, which you know, normally that's fine. But again, imagine being up against looking through 200 different resumes. You may not always feel the need, or you may not even you know, just physically react to scroll down. So I think, yeah, that's very important to have some key terms, key successes, and a clear indicator of kind of what your goals are up in that top. And it's just human reactions on that. The other feature to that is it had kind of like a stoplight type function. It had a green button, a yellow button, and a red button. Green button's obviously, yes, move this candidate forward. Yellow is, I'm going to look at you later. And then red is, I'm going to trigger a rejection for them. And it really does save the recruiter a lot of time. And you're right, you said recruiters typically spend about six seconds. I don't know if that's the actual number, but honestly, we look at a lot of resumes. We're good at it, we're trained. We've looked at thousands. We can almost always find what we're looking for faster than someone who's not a recruiter. Are there mistakes made? Of course. Are there things that are passed over? Yeah. But we're going to be better than most at finding what we want. So when we're doing those 200 resumes or however many there are, we can go through that in a not too long of time using that green, yellow, red system And then, as I mentioned earlier, it's very candidate management focused. Then those people that got the green lights or the yellow lights, they move forward into the next. So the gist of it is to get yourself in that green or yellow category, and that's by really smartly arranging your resume, whether it is keywords, accomplishments, and objectives that are plain easy to see. I think that sums it up pretty well.
0: And speaking of keywords, there are these popular resume optimizer tools, right? And what these tools are is you put your resume in uh, and you put the job ad in another section, and then it will see how well it's optimized for that uh, job ad. I really don't like those because I actually worked with a client that was that swore on these tools. These tools were giving her like 80, 85% resume optimization scores. And then when she applied, she got nothing, right? So with that being said, should candidates try to like game the system by using these resume optimizer tools or should they just be more natural? Because I'm assuming recruiters can know whether someone's keyword stuffing their resume or not, right?
1: Yeah, because you usually see a section at the bottom that'll say like tools or something and they'll list off 15 or 20 terms. And yeah, they'll come up in the searches and filters. But if they're not describing actual successes or responsibilities within the paragraphs, we can sniff that out perfectly. Um, I'm sure there's some you know, those don't exist for no reason. They're obviously created to kind of play well within the system and I'm sure they do work. But in the end, I really recommend to all my candidates to be authentic, talk not just in general terms, talk about the most important thing that they ever did or the biggest success they ever had and give a lot of detail in that. We don't expect people to be perfect resume writers or have everything exact, but there are A number of bits of information that you probably need to have a couple of. I'm not a huge fan of those optimizers. I much prefer resumes that seem authentic and can really convey what the person has done and wants to do.
0: Speaking of telling a good story on your resume, I've worked with clients that they didn't expect to job search. Now, for example, they worked for like ten years and then they didn't keep track of their metrics, so there wasn't a lot of numbers that they could put on the resume. Do recruiters look at resumes that tell a good story even though there's no numbers? So let's say I managed a marketing campaign and I increased customer retention, but there's no numbers. Is that okay? I know like a lot of career experts they want you to put numbers, but some people just don't have it. Whether it's because they're not in the very numeric role, like let's say they're a graphic designer and obviously people are saying that uh oh graphic designer if you design an ad you can always talk about the marketing behind it right but they might not have those data is a um, non-numeric resume not as good but does it really matter or can they still tell a
1: good story and it'll still work i think you probably need to have something of substance that can be measured or tracked if you're a salesperson you may not like i, I can't remember how many candidates i placed in 2016 no idea and even that was just a few years ago but you should have some kind of idea of the context of it if you say increased revenues by x amount of dollars or x amount percent or if you're a graphic designer that high number of your works were used in marketing tools do the best you can when it comes down to it. Again, I can't remember what I had for lunch on Tuesday, so it's hard to remember all of those details along the way. But I think being as descriptive as you can, and kind of another point that just might be smart, every quarter, throw something on your calendar. Even if you're not looking for a job, update what you've done that quarter. You don't have to do it every every week, that's a little bit much, but your career and your skills improve and evolve throughout the year. So add a new line, talk about the thing that you did, quarter one or quarter four, and that's a handy thing too to kind of prevent Forgetting some of those key numbers, especially in your something that's very metrics driven.
0: So what's your suggestion in terms of what's a good formatted resume from one column, two column, font, keywords, different sections, and whether they should convert it as a PDF
1: or Word doc? That's an awesome question. one I get a lot, probably PDF is fine. Word is fine too. Most of the ATS systems that I use and even some of the recruiting platforms are pretty good at parsing at this point. Years and years ago, they were pretty, pretty bad. So any different formatting or different columns or even graphics would just mangle resume but most of them are pretty good now as far as format my big recommendation is simple clear and concise don't do lots of different fonts different sizes you can definitely do bullets you can definitely bold things but keeping it simple is so much more important than anything if you're a creative like if you are a graphic designer or if you are doing something that's not always able to be conveyed in text you can always include your portfolios or samples later but to make sure 100 percent that you're not having any challenges in the upload keeping it simple is what i really recommend there's a lot of people that will put like different boxes and tables and charts and things in resumes too and they become a little bit harder to read the less visually complicated it can be is usually the best way to go that's my opinion at least
0: i want to go back to the uh, online application process there's obviously these knockout questions so let's say uh, do you have this amount of experience yes or no do you need a work visa yes or no what's your salary is there a specific answers that they look for and it's programmed so if you answer incorrectly one of those questions the, the resume doesn't get seen at all or it'll still get seen it'll just show you the results of the person's answers
1: yeah the, you can have it adjusted either. Either way, there are certainly questions you can kind of preload. I've seen anything from one to like 15 different options that you can pick. When it comes down to it, be honest with those. Um, We'll talk about pay in a second, but the common ones are, are you able to start immediately? Are you able to work in this location? And you need to tell the truth because if you say, yeah, I'm willing to drive to downtown Chicago where I am and you live in the suburbs 40 miles away, it's a huge commute and probably will not work. Sure, you want the job, but you need to be, again, honest and realistic with it. So those do help screen out potential situations. When it comes down to compensation, which is probably the question we'll get the most is, hey, do we put what I want to make? Should I put what I make now? Should I put what I intend to make or should I write negotiable? There's not really any right answer. I personally probably put what I intend to make. I don't know what, if I apply to senior recruiter role, I don't know exactly what kind of structures that may be, but I know I, I am going to want to make a certain amount. For me to pay my bills and live the life that I want to live. So I would much rather put that out there. If it's something that is way too much compared to what the role may be, then I would want to know that now as a candidate. And this is me speaking personally. If they would only be able to pay me half of what I'd be looking for, why try? If they could potentially pay you more than that then i don't typically see that as a, a negative either the safe play is probably just putting negotiable or competitive because that's not going to skew you either way again i don't know if there's a real right answer here but i usually like what i typically would prefer to make
0: so at the end of the day just be honest in those questions because they will get questioned uh, later on but like, let's say for example they want to know your salesforce level and there's entry, intermediate, and advanced, and you're not sure if you're immediate or advanced, should you just go it and just say advanced, or should you be safer to do intermediate as an example? Obviously there's these skill questions that they uh, ask you beforehand, right?
1: The only real deal breaker, deal breaker with these is if you say, yeah, I am fluent in French. You only know basic. If you don't know something and you put it on there and somebody calls you out on it, that's a big concern on a red flag. Nobody's expected to be a perfect expert in everything. So again, being as close to full honesty as possible is always your best bet.
0: The main point of the conversation here is when it comes to applying online, just be honest, make a very natural resume. Don't try to game the system in terms of the questions that you get, the knockout questions, so to speak. Just be honest with those questions because they will come back to bite you if you're not honest.
1: Clear, concise, and just put it out there with who you are, what you do, and what you want to do. That's really what I hope the candidates and the resumes that I see are communicating to me.
0: So uh, enough about this ATS discussion and the online application process. You said you had some strategies that you could share with job seekers in terms of how to have a leg up
1: with the competition. So.
0: Let's uh, let's hear it and uh, share us what your advice is on that.
1: This is my best move. I don't know if I should tell you. It's kind of a secret.
0: You know, a lot of these uh, LinkedIn people. <laughs> like, uh, they, they want some solid advice, John. And yeah. I, I think you, you got the secret sauce that they're looking
1: for. Here we go. So the recruiters, the HR people, they want people to succeed. They want to do their best in their careers too. But the amount of volume can be overwhelming and it's not a perfect system. So nobody really wants to look at 200 resumes. Let's just be honest about that. I genuinely feel that when you apply to something, you don't hear back, or you you don't get the response that you want, it's demoralizing. But you have more control as a job seeker than that. You don't just need to send your resume off into the internet. You can network the majority of the time. I would say even 80% of your time should be person-to-person networking. The very best move, in my opinion, is to put together a target list. Find the companies you want to work for. You might have blasted your resume over to some company that you were iffy about and maybe they respond, but do you really want to go work at a company that you're not super excited about? Not really. So find the companies that get you truly excited. Put them on a list, throw them in a spreadsheet, find 50 or 75 of them. You can probably do that, especially if you're in a bigger market like Chicago or wherever else. There's your lead list. You're now thinking like a marketer, essentially. So you hop on LinkedIn, you find XYZ company that you're excited about. And you find your peers, the people that you could potentially be working with, their managers, and your next job is to reach out to them. And probably the worst thing you can do is say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? That's so transactional. Like, I wouldn't respond to those because that's not offering me any value either. But if you take the approach of, I have really been excited about your company, would love to get some advice from you. Or get some expertise from you, or I'm curious to see how you progressed from graphic designer to creative director because I'm a graphic designer too. Those types of intros are the ones you wanna make. It's still a numbers game. Most people will still not respond to you or even delete you, but you can do 50 or 100 of these in the morning if you're that active and that proactive in a search. And the ones that don't respond, you don't need them. The people that do are the relationships that you want to cultivate. And those folks are talking to you because they know what you do. They might even be working double because they need someone like you to come in and do more graphic design. It's a way better move for that person who knows you now to take that resume, take that portfolio to the recruiters and say, let's interview this person. Let's essentially move them to the front of the line. Because if not, they're going to go to that recruiter HR person. They're going to say, all right, I have this need for a graphic designer. Then they've got to talk about it. They've got to explain it. The recruiter needs to post it. They need to wait for those 200 resumes. They need to skim through those 200 resumes. You need to call people and then bring it to the manager. That's two or three weeks. And that hiring manager or that peer is almost always going to want to do things faster. And that's really the key. Something you can do one cool company a night, an hour at a time, 10 messages at a time, whatever it is, that's really the key to get into the side door. And kind of game the system a little bit if we want to talk like that
0: so a good targeted list of companies you want to work at do one night and just network and message them out,
1: right person to person you're being authentic you're not asking for too much you just want to talk about the industry talk about career progression that's what linkedin was founded for is to be a professional networking tool and use that as your main source of connecting to people and I tell that story four or five times a day. Sometimes I, I truly believe that's the way to do it. 2021 is to make your connections person to person.
0: So in terms of that, that's more of the like nurturing approach. So the other approach, I, I want you to get your opinion on this, John, is a job that gets posted on LinkedIn. Sometimes there's a, usually the recruiter that posted it. Do you recommend candidates submit their application and then reach out to that recruiter? Cause the fact that they're showing their face, they want to contact it. Right.
1: I do that purposely. The people that would reach out to me and be clever enough to follow that up, the person may or may not always be the perfect fit, but I'm always going to give a response to that just because I appreciate that little extra level of of attention.
0: Obviously, it has to be a personalized message, right? They can't can't say, oh, I submitted my application and my resume. Here's my resume again. Can you forward it to the hire manager? There's, There's obviously got to be a good personalized message that shows your value, right? It can't just be give take from you, right?
1: I think it's just more that expressing that they're truly interested it doesn't need to be a total autobiography and a note like that it's just that hey i want to make this extra effort to show that i really do have some interest and i want to be the person that goes kind of above and beyond along the way but again even asking to that recruiter i see you post this what's your advice on getting in front of the manager there you go you've already asked for advice you're not saying can you please do a thing for me you're trying to enter a dialogue a little less Aggressively is not the right word, but a little bit like you have more to share too. Uh,
0: Sometimes people will be able to find the hiring manager and they want to bypass the recruiter. So they would submit the application and then just message the hiring manager directly. Is that recommended or is that not good because you're basically bypassing the recruiter and the hiring manager is...
1: Oh, no? No, same deal. If you see that XYZ company posted the job, you already know that that opening is there. So it's just another reason for you to reach out to the people on those teams if you can find them. And LinkedIn searching tool is is actually pretty good for that. I know they offer probably a a one-month premium version for free to try it out. It gives you a little bit better of a search function. Absolutely reach out to that person who might be the hiring manager. You got nothing to lose. Again, much easier get you to the front of the line compared to risking falling into, again, that internet black hole, 200 other resumes.
0: So to summarize, just be proactive. So the three main strategies is apply online, obviously make the resume very natural to tell a good story. Don't try to game the system. And when you apply online, see if you can find who the recruiter is or hiring manager, reach out to them as well, attach the resume so it's easier because obviously with all so many applications, they're not going to, well, they would if they want, if they think you're a good candidate to sift through all the resumes, but by giving the resume directly to their email, they don't have to go through the ATS to find your resume. And then finally, the other way is to... Just find some target lists of companies that you believe that you would work really well at and just start knocking on doors and networking. So would that be the three main types of strategies in terms of effective job search?
1: Those are all valid ways to do it. There's nothing that's ever 100% perfect. You're going to certainly deal with a lot of rejection along the way, but that's just the reality of it. Not everybody's perfect or at perfect timing. I think it's just being resourceful, being persistent, and having the right background along the way. Things can't generally be forced in the process. So spend your, your time, nurturing valuable relationships and proper potential fits too.
0: And with that, that's uh, we'll end the conversation there. Cool. Thank you again, John, for uh, spending some time with us to just have the recruiter's eyes on how to effectively implement good job search in terms of whatever roles you're looking for. So where can people find you online, John? And what is a project that you want to share on this podcast?
1: Yeah. So we are at covert Recruiting. Dot com. My direct email is john, J-O-N, at covertrecruiting.com. I hang out on LinkedIn all day. I love it. It's fun. It's just such an effective tool to talk about helping people to advance their careers and, and build their teams. As far as any projects, we're a pretty new company. We're focused in a lot of different areas, whether it's marketing, technology, logistics, creative. We are Chicago-based, but we've got the capability to work nationwide as well. And we understand it's hard. It's a very challenging, very human-focused industry. So we want to build long-term and successful relationships with all of our candidates and all of our clients. And so if we do a little bit better than the, the many other choices that are out there.
0: What is your value proposition? Like, What makes you the recruiting firm that people should reach out to?
1: I think some of the biggest challenges within recruiting is that There's sometimes a lack of transparency. I think there's a a real need for some increased collaboration between recruiters and candidates and recruiters and their client partners. Reliability. Just tell someone what you're going to do and then follow up, come through. That's a, a very common thing within recruiting. Like Somebody ghosted me. I never heard back from them when they said they were going to. It's okay if there's no updates, but you need to tell someone that there's an update. That is the update. And then our our group here is made up of a lot of really strong recruiters. We've been in the industry for a while and we put a big emphasis on quality. We don't want to waste people's time. We want to present really good companies and opportunities to our candidates. And we want to bring the top talent to our partners that are hiring as well. So just a little bit of an extra touch and still be very focused and aggressive on making those best connections as fast as we can.
0: Absolutely. Just going back to that, the human touch point. No update is still an update. Candidates just want to know like is, is things moving along. And if there's no update, then just email and say hey, there's no update right now. Like you don't have to ghost them to the point where there's an update. They just want to make sure that they're still in the running, right? And I think having those honest conversations can really help create more authentic relationships between employers and employees, right?
1: It's so easy. And if we've been talking for forty five minutes about ATS systems and recruiting systems, every single one of them, every single one has a feature where you can send a note to your calendar to, hey, I gotta go call Max on February 11th. And you set it, you forget about it. Then on February 11th, hey, I need to call. And then you call, that's all you need to do. It's that easy.
0: <laughs> oh, so what you're saying is uh, a lot of recruiters are not taking that extra step to uh, build relationships
1: with the candidates, right? It's hard, you need to be honest with the cadence of communication too. I've told people, hey, I'm not gonna be a good resource for you, you know, best of luck in your searches. And that's okay, I think people appreciate that. And I've got others that I'll say, you're a great candidate. I'm going to call you every week because I've got something to show you every week. Being realistic with the timing and then following through. Some people don't. And that's just the ones that get the bad name on the internet.
0: Thanks, John. I really appreciate the time and best of luck in this new venture. I think just by us conversing right now and you sharing us a lot of your tips, you will definitely be the recruiting agency
1: that people want to work with. Well, that's awesome. I definitely appreciate you bringing me on here and look forward to keeping in touch in the future.
0: That was a jam packed discussion on the ATS. I definitely know that my listeners got a lot of good information about the ATS and even debunked some myths that they originally had about what the ATS actually does. I wanted to go over some of the key highlights that I think are the most important in my conversation with John. The first is that recruiters do do their best to look at every resume that has been submitted for the job application. So all this discussion that the ATS auto rejects resumes based off some optimizer score is not true. So if you did not get a call back from a recruiter, it's not because your resume did not pass the ATS. The recruiter looked at your resume and you were not a fit for the role. In terms of the actual resume itself, don't try to game the system by keyword stuffing. Create a clear and concise, authentic resume, highlighting your accomplishments and key responsibilities in your past roles. Recruiters look through hundreds of resumes a day, so you want to make the resume clean, simple, to the point where the recruiter can quickly scan your resume and see what you do, and if you are fit for the role that they're trying to fill. Finally, you are not restricted to only applying for jobs that are posted online. Networking is still a great tool and could be an advantage to you because a lot of people aren't proactive in terms of networking. So if you do apply for a job online, if the recruiter is shown, reach out. You can take it a step further. If you can find the hiring manager, reach out to them. And if the company you wanna work for does not have a job posting that you're interested in, Go on LinkedIn, search for departments of people that you're interested in working at, whether you're a marketer, in finance, a developer, and build those relationships. So, when they do need somebody for your skill set, you will be top of mind and you will definitely have first dibs on the interview. The more effort you put in into your job search, the more results you will get. Again, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I post new episodes every Tuesday morning. If you found this episode useful, I would greatly appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help grow the show. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn where I post daily on topics such as job search, career advice, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.